Lord and our God, ruler of the universe. Lord, if we need your spirit, we're asking for your spirit to come down and anoint us and to teach us from your word and enlighten us and to instruct us by your grace. In Yeshua's name, amen. Then we're going to look at the last part of four parts of a series that we did on, on Amos, that we're doing on Amos, the prophet Amos. We're looking at chapters 8 and 9. Starting in chapter 8, verse 2, The Lord said, The end has come upon my people Israel. I will not pass by them anymore. The songs of the temple shall be wailing in that day. Many dead bodies everywhere. Pretty solemn way to start a chapter. Uh, not going to pass by anymore. This is the end. And I believe this is a reference to the end, the very end, or you know, possibly uh, a dual prophecy applying to not even an Amos day because Israel still continued for another 80 years after Amos. Uh, several more kings of Israel in the north after Amos. Uh, so it could be no doubt prophesying about that time to come, but certainly the very last day, the end, the end of the world as we know it today. Hear this, you who swallow up the needy, saying, when will the new moon be passed that we may sell grain, the Sabbath that we may trade wheat, making the ephes small and the shekel large, falsifying the scales by deceit, that we may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. And so abuse is taking place. The rich abusing the poor, merchants, making profit beyond reasonable by deceit and by fraud. And those who are religious, it's obviously talking about religious people because they're keeping the Shabbat, but can't wait till it be over so they can go and get about their business. So they're watching the clock, watching the sun. Is it out? Is it over yet? Is Sabbath over yet? Sabbath over yet? That's not entering into the rest of the Sabbath. That's not entering into the enjoyment and the peace and the, and the fulfillment that God gives us in the, in the, the Shabbat, the rest that God promises us as we truly enter into his rest, truly enter into his Sabbath, which we enter into through entering in through the Messiah who is our perfect rest. And as we rest in him and trust in him and have faith in him, we're not looking for the sun to go down to be anxious to go about our own business. That Sabbath is a, a day of drudgery and, and of legalistic being forced not to do something and not to have fun. That Sabbath should be just the opposite. It should be the day that we look forward to in the week. Amen. It's our vacation, our one day a week vacation. And we get to not have to worry about all the things that we have to do, not have to worry about our commerce, not have to worry about our business, not have to worry about our work, not have to worry about everything that's piled up. Now we can do all six days a week. But the special day that we get to enjoy and rest in God's love, rest in the activities that we, that we can, can do in, in, in enjoyment and in fulfillment, in pleasure, godly pleasure, fellowship. We should linger on to that time and not want it to pass. 
And the same on the beginning of the Sabbath. We shouldn't be pushing things and pushing things to the till Sabbath time, till the sun hits, but that we should guard the edges of the Sabbath, even. Guarding the beginning and guarding the end so that we come into the Sabbath and that we say goodbye to the Sabbath. Right? Kind of like a friend that uh, when he's coming, you're getting excited about his coming, you're knowing that he's coming, you, you, you tidy up, you get things ready, you prepare a meal, whatever, you get ready for it. Right? Or if you're meeting him you, or her, you, you prepare for it. Plan it out. Think about it. And then in leaving, saying goodbye and goodbye and goodbye. Oh, one more thing and a goodbye and, you know, not wanting to leave. And, and I'll see you again soon and he'll call me later and, you know, saying goodbye. And the Sabbath, God's bride, as we just sang, the Sabbath, God's bride, welcoming the bride, welcoming her in, spending the time with her while she is here before we enter into the new week. And so here this group is obviously a religious group who are doing these profiting, who are abusing others, or are religiously following some forms of religion, but can't wait for those forms to be done. And we did our thing, and we did our amount that is our requirement so that we'll please God a little bit, and then we can go back to our selfishness. That's what it's talking about here. The type of people like that. A religious group. And even though in today's times, many people are not following the forms of religion, the traditional forms of religion, today a lot of people profess to be spiritual, forming their own forms of religiosity. Another type of legalism. And so this here prophecy referring to a people group who are professing a spirituality, but not following in God's way of spirituality. Verse 10, I will turn your feasts, so again, a religious group, your feasts, not God's feasts, but your feasts into mourning, and all your songs into lamentation. So they do sing, they sing, and they feast, and they gather on Sabbath, and they, 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 they sing together and do things, but he's going to turn it all into mourning and lamentation. I'll bring sackcloth on every waist and baldness on every head. I will make it like mourning for their, an only son and its end like a bitter day. The days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea, from north to east, they shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord. But they shall not find it. Very interesting verse. A couple of verses here. Chapter 8, Amos 8, verse 11 and 12. Very interesting. It's going to cause a famine, a dearth of the word of God. A longing for it, a thirsting for it. So people will awaken to their idle forms of spirituality that haven't fed the soul, that haven't fed the heart, that haven't satisfied the need, that haven't cleansed from sin, that haven't 
remove the guilt that haven't purified the soul that haven't empowered the person that haven't enlightened the mind that haven't given victory over sin that hasn't given a transformed heart that hasn't given a passion and a burden for other people that hasn't given true love that hasn't restored the soul into God's image. And so they wake up to their lack. And then they go seeking for the word of God. Somewhere somebody told me about the pure gospel. About the word of God. About a God who is almighty. A God who can meet my every need. A God who can give me hope and satisfy my longing heart. Who can give me victory over my habits and temptations. And they'll long for it and they'll go running for it. Seeking north and east. Wandering from sea to sea. Running to and fro. Seeking the word of God. But won't find it. Will it be hidden? Will the Bible be outlawed that they won't be able to find them anymore? Will they be blotted off of the internet? Will every Bible be burned? No. It'll be there just as it's always been there by God's grace. But spiritual things are spiritually discerned. And so they won't really find that doesn't mean they won't find the printed page. I mean, they won't be able to read the words of the Lord. But without the Spirit of God attending it, it's just dry bones. It's just nothingness. When I first found the Bible, I began reading it for a serious time in my life. Read it earlier in Hebrew school and other things, but but at the late teens, early twenties, began reading it for myself picked it up as a textbook to prove someone wrong about it, actually. But I was also told that I needed to pray before I read. And so I began praying before I read God's Word. God's Spirit took a hold of me. God's Spirit touched my heart. I fell in love, not only with the book, but the author of the book. And then I longed to read. I couldn't wait for the portion of the day where I could stop doing whatever I was doing and read it. Carry it with me, took it to work with me. Any break I had, I was there sitting and reading it. Love it. Continue to read it daily. And I began to think, well, if everybody just had a Bible, if everybody just read the Bible. So I went back to my old stomping grounds and went back to my friends. I said, you gotta read a Bible. And I went and bought Bibles. I started giving Bibles and you gotta read the Bible. It's great, it'll transform your heart. We won't, you won't have to do the stupid things we used to do. And, and, I, and, and I was doing that, and, and then I came across one friend, and, and I wanted to him, and I told him the same thing. And, and he said, I already read it. <laughs> that shocked me. I was like, you read it? <laughs> I mean, I knew this guy, and, you know, he was just like me, and you know, I, was, I knew his life's not all like that, and I was thinking, it didn't do anything for you. <laughs> Are you sure you had the right book? <laughs> sure you had an English version? You know. <laughs> so we can read it. And there's lots of people today reading it. 
but without the Spirit of God, without true discernment. And they take it and they twist it to their own destruction. Picking only the parts they want to pick and apply only those portions and denying and explaining away or basically tearing out whole other sections. Reading it to use it more as a hammer than as a map. God's Word is powerful. We need to be reading it now. Because when the Spirit of God is withdrawn from this earth, and this world really goes haywire, this is read today an interesting statistic, there are more refugees in the world today than there has been since World War II. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. The wars and calamities in this world and people, poor people, individual people, they may have money, I don't mean poor necessarily, uh, not money poor, but I mean poor under circumstances of where your house is confiscated, wars come in, armies come in, bombs blowing up your houses and your property, and everything gone, and you're having to flee the country where you were raised, flee the country and the town where you set up, where you planted those trees, where you helped build that house, where you decorated that house, where you painted those walls, where you put those pictures up, where you put those mementos in those drawers, had those memories, the park you used to visit, the places you used to go, the restaurant you ate with friends, and you're having to leave it and it's all gone. And it'll never be the same. And for many of these people stuck in refugee camps, it's nothing but a tent and muddy floors and diseases. More refugees today. The most since World War II. When the whole world was involved in one war. We're involved in a world war. We just refer to it as several little wars. Or maybe even many little wars. But it's really all part of one more. No matter how much we deny this war that's taking place on this earth. So things are not getting better and they're only going to get worse. The Spirit of God is being withdrawn and people's hearts are failing them for fear and other people are getting crazier and crazier because the withholding Spirit of God that has held back the winds of strife, that have kept sanity to people who didn't even believe in God, but the Spirit of God upon this earth kept them in check and it's being removed from this earth. Being rejected. As God said in verse 2 there, He will not pass through anymore. And thus the ability to discern the Word of God will not be there. There will be some of them who will wake up Say, well, maybe that'll be the help and go running for it. But it'll be too late. There will be a time on this earth where it will be too late. Now is the time to get ready to be with God. There is a day of atonement day. There is a judgment day. There is a sealing day. And beyond that, It'll be too late. Like getting into the ark. Noah and his family got into the ark. 
But the flood didn't come that very day. There was still a period of time after the door was shut, God miraculously shut the door to the ark. And there was still a period of time after that, short period of time after that, where the people were left outside laughing and mocking, no doubt, until the rain started. Then they started running up to the door, running up to the ark, let us in, let us in, but it was too late. Same thing will happen again. It'll be too late. Now is the time for us to get our hearts right with God. And so if we've been among those that we've already read about that can't wait for the Sabbath to be over. Can't wait till the religious thing is over so we can get back to our stuff. We've been manipulating figures and things and times to take advantage of others so that we gain. Now is the time to repent. If God's word is just a dry book to you, now is the time to get to know the author. When you fall in love with the author, fall in love with the cook, everything tastes good. <laughs> we fall in love with God. We'll fall in love with His Word. And what God says, then we'll be good. Chapter 9. I saw the Lord standing by the altar, and He said, Strike the doorpost that the thresholds may shake and break them on the heads of them all. I will slay the least of them with the sword. He who flees from them shall not get away. He who escapes from them shall not be delivered. So calamity coming upon this world. If they dig into hell, and that's a reference to the grave, my hand shall take them. If they climb up to the heavens, from there I will bring them down. If they hide on top of Mount Carmel, from there I will search and take them. If they hide from my sight at the bottom of the sea, from there I will command the serpent and it shall bite them. You won't be able to escape. As it says in Revelation, they run into the, calling for the rocks and the hills to fall on them and hide them from the wrath of the Lamb. Which is really a funny thing. I don't know if you ever see a lamb. <laughs> Here they're running away <laughs> from a little lamb. The wrath, it doesn't say the wrath of the Lion of Judah. How we can understand? But they're running from the wrath of the lamb. The meek and lowly lamb. The lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The lamb of God who became the sacrifice for us. who was led to the slaughter, but opened not his mouth, who died in our behalf. And it's that beauty of the gospel, it's the beauty of the love of God that loves us more than we could love ourselves that they are afraid of. The true, pure word of God, the true, pure gospel of God. For if they receive God's love, and receive God as he really is. That means that they will become like him. And that they don't want. So they run and hide from the wrath of the Lamb. Calling for the rocks and the hills to fall on them. They won't be able to hide. The wrath of the Lamb will seek them out. Verse 5. And the Lord God of hosts 
He who touches the earth and it melts, and all who dwell there mourn. All of it shall swell like the river and subside like the river of Egypt. By possible reference to some of the plagues, I mentioned the sun scorching the earth and the rivers. And Behold, the eyes of the Lord God are on the sinful kingdom. I will destroy it from the face of the earth. Yet, I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob. Oh, a sign of hope. A promise here. He'll not utterly destroy the house of Jacob, says the Lord. There will be a remnant. There will be a people on this earth to see his coming. There will be a people on this earth that he will come back to take home with him. He will find some faith on the earth when he returns to take us to meet him in the air, to take us to the mansions that he's preparing for us. So we shall always be with the Lord as he comes to destroy. He will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob, says the Lord. For surely I will command and I will sift the house of Israel among all nations, yet not the smallest grain shall fall to the ground. So he'll sift all these professing, believing people among all the world doing their feasts, singing their songs, keeping their religious ceremonies, their religious observances, while waiting for them to be over and longing for them to be over and taking advantage of others. He will sift them, like sifting the wheat, separating the chaff, separating the, the wheat from the tares. He'll sift. And in sifting, no doubt, when you throw it, I don't know if you ever saw how they would do that, they take the, the wheat, put it in the basket, and throw it up in the air, and the wind would blow away the chaff, and they'd catch in the blanket again, and then do it again and keep doing it. But no doubt, some seeds would fall off as you're doing that. Some of the good seed would fall off as you did that. He says, not even one of the smallest grains shall fall as he does his sifting. None who are sincere in heart. None who are pure in heart. None who have allowed God to purify them and sanctify them through the sacrifice of the Messiah. None who have allowed God to transform their minds and transform their lives. Now one of even the smallest of his children will be shaken out in the shifting, sifting process. He will take us through that time of trouble. He will take us through... A time that the world has never seen. If we think, if we thought it was bad through world wars and other calamities that are going on even today in this world. Time is coming such as the world has never seen. And yet, through that time, we hold on with a mustard seed of faith. Even the smallest of grains, even the smallest of faith, if we hold on to God's word, as the promises in, in the Psalms, 10,000 shall fall on her side and a thousand on her other side, but it shall not come nigh. We'll see it with our own eyes, but it shall not come nigh. I'll say you won't be able to buy or sell, but God's word says 
thy bread shall be sure. He'll cover us under shadow of his wings. And if we hold on by faith, like Elijah, accused of being the troubler of Israel, maybe banished, sent out by a river, God is able to provide raven, ravens to provide for us. Holding on by faith. Through the trial, through the trouble, like Daniel's friends, Mishael, Hananiah, and Asheriah, Azariah, uh, take us through the fire, but it will not burn us. It'll burn off the bonds, but even our clothes will not smell of smoke. He's able to see us through. He's able to part the Red Sea and see us through the trouble. He's able to hide us in the land of Goshen while the plagues come upon the land. And he's able to deliver us and take us through to the eternal promised land. It'll be a sifting time. It'll be a trial time. Being rejected and accused. And even those will say they are doing God's service who seek to kill us. God will see us through. Even the smallest seed of faith that holds on to God's word and believes God's word, it will not be sifted out. But now is the time to grow that faith. Now is the time to know our Lord God. Now is the time to have our sins removed because when the judgment day comes, it'll be too late. Now is the time to store up God's word. For we may not have it handy all the time. We may not have it readily available all the time. We may not have easy access to it as we do now. We may not be able to gather together and worship together as we do now. Now is the time to be storing God's word in our minds and in our hearts. And let the word of God transform us and empower us and lead and guide and direct us. The power of his word, the living word, Yeshua, the living word. He said, eat of my flesh, drink of my blood. I am the word. I am the bread of life. Eat of him and take him in. And make sure there is no nothing on our record, nothing in our heart and mind, no chaff on us. That it's cleansed now. That it's removed from us now. That it's confessed and given over to God now. Let Him purify us, cleanse us, empower us, and live in us. Giving us love and compassion and motivating us to do the acts of service and love of unselfish hearts filled with joy and peace and love and gentleness and goodness and kindness. Being filled with Him. And going vic from victory to victory. Overcoming in the might of the Lord. And going forth and sharing God's Word now. Because again, the Bible said, a time is coming where they will look for it but not be able to find it 
Now is the time we need to deliver it to them. Now is the time we need to take it to them. And in verse 10, all the sinners of my people shall die by the sword. All the sinners of my people. Again, reverence to professed believers filled with religiosity. Again, all the unbelievers, that's a whole other category. <laughs> all the sinners of my people shall die by the sword who say the calamity shall not overtake nor confront us. Oh, it's not going to happen to us. Oh, we'll be poofed out of here before that. Oh, it won't happen to me. Oh, it won't happen to us. Oh, God loves us too much to allow anything bad to happen to us. Well, tell that to all the prophets who went before us. <laughs> tell that to God's only son who came before us. All who live godly in Yeshua the Messiah will suffer persecution. And we're not in heaven yet. This is still Satan's planet. He is still the prince of this earth. It will come. The key for us is just to be prepared. We don't have to fear it. Elijah didn't fear it when this whole city was surrounded with an army to come and take him. He didn't fear. He prayed for his servant's eyes to be opened up so they may see the angels of God on chariots of fire surrounding the army. And he said, there's more with us than are with them. Paul didn't fear when he was bitten by a, a poisonous snake. He shaked it up into the fire. Not to say that calamities won't come. Calamities will come. But we don't have to fear them. As we trust in the Lord. That's not to say none of us will get bitten by a poisonous snake and die. God allows us his time or whatever. Or that problems won't happen. But God is able to see us through to the eternal heavenly throne. And that's what it's about. But if we sit in denial, the calamity shall not overtake nor confront us. When the calamity does come, it will overtake us. When it does come to confront us, if we have not prepared our hearts, if we have not eaten of the word of God, if we have not drinking, drank of God, we have not been filled with him. When we are confronted with the calamities, we will, we will fall apart. So God allows the little calamities in our lives now, and some are not so little, to see us through to the eternal. Now is the time to have our faith built up. Now is the time to be strengthened in God's word. Now is the time to allow the spiritual muscles to grow through the trials, through the the exercise of our faith and grow in Him because I believe we're going home soon. We're going home soon. We need to prepare for the trip. We need to prepare for the voyage. We need to get ready. We need to get packing in our hearts and minds and pack into our hearts and minds God's Word, God's love, and God's grace. Like at the Exodus, standing, eating the supper with our loins girded and a staff in our hand, eating the Lamb of God, the 
blood over the doorpost and ready to go at a moment's notice. And inviting others and telling others and warning others. Because I believe we're going home very soon. Which of course means the calamity that's going to confront us is coming very soon as well. God will see us through that time as he has seen everyone else through it. It's held on by faith. We sifting, but not even the smallest grain shall fall to the ground. And on that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David. Again, a messianic reference, which has fallen down and repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom, and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord God, who does this thing. The resurrection of the dry bones. The Spirit of the Lord will be poured out. The latter rain portion. Awakening us. Reviving us. The extra oil in the lamp. To see us through to the bridegroom's coming. And the Gentiles who are called by my name, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the Gentiles who are called by my name. So the joining together with the Gentiles together. This is referred to or quoted in the book of Acts as well as the Gentiles began to come into the faith as well. As a fulfillment of this. So a gathering together of all together in God's word, in God's truth says the Lord God. He will do this thing. He'll bring it to pass. He'll raise up the tabernacle of David again. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows the seed. The mountain shall drip with sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it. After the trial, after the destruction, after the calamity, after the pulling back of God's spirit, after the the wicked become even wickeder and are totally loosed and are totally under Satan's control. And after the sifting time, God gathering his wheat and the joining of all who are in heart with God, the tabernacle of David, Edom and the Gentiles together, the days come, says the Lord. Where the plowman will overtake the reaper. Be plowing so fast, be plowing faster than those who reaped the season before. One who treads the grape will be treading faster than those who are sowing the seeds. Be harvesting faster than even planting the seeds. This is a heavenly reference. The mountains dripping with sweet wine, and all the hills shall flow with us, flow with it. After the calamity, after the trial. After the tabernacle of David, the Messiah, the son of David, returns. Resurrects the dead. Takes the living righteous with him. To meet the Lord in the air. The angels come down. Take us to meet the Lord in the air. Take us to the new Jerusalem. The mansions he's prepared for us. And then eventually makes a new heavens and a new earth. Brings the new Jerusalem with us in it down. The earth cleansed, the earth renewed, the wicked destroyed, and the mountains shall drip with sweet wine, and all the hills 
would flow with it. Instead of flowing with water, they'll flow with grape juice. That's the, 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 the imagery here. There's so much grape juice, so much abundance of produce, so much abundance. The reaper is overtaking the plowman and the sower, the, the treader of the grapes overtaking the sower of the seed. There's not so much abundance, such abundance of the hills that the rivers are flowing with fresh grape juice. And the heavenly, <coughs> new heavens and new earth. And I will bring back the captivities of my people Israel. They shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink wine from them. They shall make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant them in their land and no longer shall they be pulled up from the land I have given them, says the Lord God. And the meek shall inherit the earth shall inherit the earth, Edom, lands of the Gentiles, all together. In faith. Those of faith. Those are the children of faith. The children of Abraham. Inheriting the earth. New heavens and the new earth. Wherein dwelleth righteousness. God will see us even in through the prophet Amos with the very serious, strong warnings. He takes us through and ends with a message of hope. Gives us a warning and it sets our eyes on the goal. Puts our feet on the path. Gives us the ability and the direction on how to get ready. Through the word of God. Through the purifying power of the word of God. And the word of God made flesh. Through Yeshua, through his sacrifice. Through confession, through repentance. Through receiving of God's spirit. Through the transformation. As we pray today. If the Sabbath has become a drudgery to you, if you wait, can't wait for it to be over, if you look for ways to, to uh, manipulate it and work around it and compromise it and surrender to the Lord and ask him to restore the joy of the Lord to you. If there's anything on your record that would be held against you in the court, the heavenly court, any sins still on there? Anything unconfessed? Anything they haven't gained victory over? Now is the time to prepare. Now is the time to get ready. Confess it to the Lord. Allow Him to cleanse you and transform you and change you. Receive His forgiveness. Receive His mercy. Receive His victory. Receive His power. If you're fearing the time to come, if you're fearing the trouble of this world, surrender the fear to the Lord. Hold on by faith. Put on the whole armor of God. If you've been putting off getting ready, if you've been saying, the calamity won't happen to me, then allow God to change our thinking. And get it right with the Word of God. In harmony with the Word of God. Allow Him to prepare us. Now, our faith is struggling now. Ask him to strengthen the faith. 
We can ask for it. Ask for God to give us more faith. Lord, help me in my unbelief. Now is the time. If you've been putting off reading God's Word, if you haven't been loving it and reading it and enjoying it, ask God to change your taste buds. Ask Him to change your desire that you love God's Word. Ask Him to change your thinking about it. Because again, naturally, we're not born to love God's Word. It's not natural for the carnal heart. The carnal heart is enmity against God and God's Word. It takes a transformed heart. It takes a spiritual heart. It takes spiritual things to spiritually love God's Word. So if you're not loving it, then that's the problem. If you have to force yourself to read the Word of God, then surrender that to the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm not converted, at least in that area of my life. Change me, transform me, give me a love for your Word and a love for you. Plant in my heart a love for your Word and a love for you. What are you going to say? No, I'm too busy. There will come a time where I'll say it's too late, but... We can do it today. We can do it right now. As we pray together, any of those areas that apply to you or anything else that God's speaking to your heart, as we pray. <coughs> our Lord and our God, ruler of the universe, we praise your name for your word. And we're thankful, Lord, even in the messages of judgment and warnings, there is so much hope and so much love and so much promise. Lord, we're thankful that the time of probation is still here, that we still have an opportunity to come to you. We still have opportunity to tell others about you. We still have opportunity to share your love with others, to receive of it, and to give it. So Lord, fill our hearts and fill our minds with your power, with your grace, with your goodness. And minister to each one of our needs. Whatever we're going through right now, whatever hurt, whatever problem, whatever struggle, whatever worries, whatever doubts, whatever fears, the angers and the bitterness, wash us clean. Remove all the chaff from us. And purify us. Any pride, any denial, wash us clean. Any breaking of the Sabbath.